0: As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? Mandy, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to have you. I know you as like a screenwriter and an actor, um, but I haven't chatted with you in like years at this point. So I'm excited to learn about all of your new ventures that are probably not new to you. I'm sure you've been doing um, rapping and music for a long time. I was just not privy to it. So I'm super excited to talk to you. So thank you for joining me, first of all.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: And then let's just, let's just do it. Uh, Let's just jump in. Is there a low point, a low season, a challenge in your life that you're most proud of
1: overcoming? Mm. Um, It's funny when you said that to me just before we started, I was like, I don't know, everything. Yeah. (laughs) But actually now I'm like, oh, that time I had cancer is probably the thing.
0: That's a thing. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then I recently had another scare in June of last year, so a year ago, and what both times a tremendous learning experience, a tremendous um, opportunity to assess what I was clinging to in my life, what I have been clinging to, my expectations of other people, um, and and what my identity is. And then I would say the third thing that's very closely related is when I stopped dyeing my hair. Um, mm. All three of those were a really intensive conversation with myself about who I am um, and what, what value I have in the world and what, um, how I value myself. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much that I've learned through those three things, and um, each one of them is its own kind of experiment. So so uh, let, roll the dice and
0: yeah. Well, let's just let's all go in chronological order here. Uh, uh, was of those events was the first cancer diagnosis the first thing? Yeah. Can you, like, walk us through, like,
1: what happened, like, how long ago it was and all the the stuff? Uh, You know, it's funny because I don't know how long ago it was. I think it was – I think it was in – I don't know. I think it it was, like, 10 years. Okay, okay. Maybe not even 10 years. It might only be seven. Um, But – I want to say it was after it was definitely after I came to LA. So I okay. maybe it was like 20, oh, 14, 13. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay, cuz I have a I have a TV show called Mother which um is about a housewife who fantasizes about being a rapper. And the first episode is called My Badge is the Truth. And it takes place inside my uterus, like in my vaginal canal. This is a show now or a show then? It's a show that I made in 2016. Okay. Got it. Yeah. It's on, it's part of another show called Rachel Dratch's Late Night Snap. Got it. Um, it's on HBO. We made it with True TV, but okay. it's a six episode mini like short form comedy series. Cool. So that episode, the first one takes place inside. We built like the vaginal canal with a cervix. I had cervical cancer. Okay. So we built a cervix and this huge, you know, set. And, um, my husband comes in in a sperm costume and I kick him out and <clears throat> it's a comedy, but it was very closely related to this conversation. I started having with my interior organs around like, like betrayal, self betrayal, what I was allowing into my body. And, and trying to make that space about me and not about the people that were in it. <laughs> and, and like my, my son, you know, and, and all of the people have been in it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was an incredible healing experience. And what I think the biggest thing I took from it was this moment to moment living, which I was familiar with. Both my parents were in AA, um, so at different times in my life, I was 15 when my dad got sober and 24 when my mom got sober, and they both, you know, taught me the one day at a time sort of ethos. But one day at a time is one thing, but one moment at a time is when you're really developing the discipline, um, and and in conversation with yourself and spirit, you know. So, so there was a period of time during that, um, during the cervical cancer experience where I didn't know the extent of the cancer. I knew I had it, but I didn't know whether it was through my whole body or like what was going on. We're doing all the tests and it was about a two week period. And it was just like, I got it. I got why people drug, drink, you know, use substances to try to get away from the heaviness of this like, mortality thing. And because of the information I had from both of my parents, I didn't want to do that. Um, so I chose to do it sober and just one minute at a time. Be and, and I've studied a course in miracles for a very long time, and maybe 20 years. Um, and it's the, the application of a course in miracles, it's a, it's a, um, fundamentally about, you know, everything that is fear is not real and only love Mm -hmm. exists, but that in each moment saying to your higher power, you know, I'm in pain, this is uncomfortable. This, whatever I'm experiencing right now is not serving me. Like, you know, when you're processing an emotion or an experience, when it's like, oh, this is something that needs to be expunged. I need to cry. I need to yell. I need to have an e- expression of this thing. I don't have to solve the problem, but I need to express it. Um, So saying to the higher power, this is not serving me, which is mostly the stories running through my head. Uh, I, I'm willing to see this differently, and releasing it, that's the that's the miracle in A Course in Miracles. I'm willing to see this differently because we get stuck on our perception, we get stuck on our identity, we get stuck on the idea of the thing, that the story that we've learned that may not even be our own words, and we can't see any other options. That's the darkness that, that we go into. And there is no like, you don't like say it one time and then all oh, the skies open up and like, but it's like a repetitive, conversation with the brain and there's always some new fuckery happening you know to try and um take me out of my life so from that experience you know the day i the day i discovered or i was called i was on a first date actually when <laughs> when the hospital called me to tell me i had cancer it's pretty funny oh i mean in, in retro retro sight? in retrospect, it was funny Oh, I like that retro site, <laughs> Um, but I remember that day being like, I want a dog and I want to make an album. And it's amazing when you get into this, like face to face with your mortality, what those, in, those immediate, that immediate information is often what's most true. Mm. Um, so I made an album. As soon as I knew I was better, I made my first album. I did not get a dog because, come on, <laughs> that's too much work.
0: <laughs> yeah, an I album, have- making an album is much easier than a dog. It's <laughs> much, much easier. Albums don't shit everywhere. That That, that is true. Although yep. making an album seems incredibly difficult. Uh, but so they, when they did like the testing and stuff and they, they were like, it's not everywhere or like what? Okay.
1: Yeah. So it was a tumor. Um, basically I had, you know, the, the test that everyone get not everyone, but a lot of people get back where it's Like you have pre-cancer mm-hmm. in your cervix. So mm-hmm. we need to scrape. We're going to mo- remove it. We're going to do a leap procedure. So I went in, I had the leap procedure done and then they came back to me and said, we found a tumor. So it was actually was cancer. And it was, I, it had only been a year from one pap to the next. So it had grown very quickly. Wow. And, um, um, when they got it, when they took it out, they were like, the margins aren't clear. So we need to go back in again. And we want to test your whole body and see if it's anywhere else, because the type of cell it was, was, um, I can't remember now kind of blocked it out, but it was yeah. like migrating. So I think mm-hmm. it was H3. It was like migrating into different types of cells. Um, so they were like, we can do a hysterectomy to just like, you know, clear it all out. Um, and I was like, that seems insane. That seems insane. I don't want to do that. I mean, no offense to anyone who decides to do that, but I wasn't, I'm not a fan of cutting parts out of my body. Sure. <laughs> um, so I didn't, I didn't do that, but it was fucking terrifying. I mean, it was terrifying. And, and and I. it's medical trauma. Like, it's like, I still don't want to go to the doctor. I still um, don't love all of that stuff. And my father had cancer, um, he passed in tw- 2009, 2009. Um, so it wasn't that long after that. And when he got sick, I got crazy about like, sugar, um, corn, like, if all the um, foods that we eat that cause inflammation, I barely drank, like, I really became very healthy, and then still ended up with cancer, different kind of cancer, but cancer, you know, it's inflammation, But on top of that, I did a lot of spiritual work. Um, I saw a shaman. I did – I had a lot of masturbating, um, a lot of meditation, um, just Wait, what what – what was the second one? Masturbation.
0: Oh, I thought you said alive masturbation. No, a lot of A lot lot of. of. Okay, great. Yeah. (laughs) Great either way. A live masturbation also sounds great. But I was like, we got it. This sounds like an interesting thing that
1: I need to touch on. Okay.
0: Not a live one. Not a live one. (laughs)
1: Like this whole, you know, this whole thing, like it's all, it's a conversation I'm trying to still have with my trauma. And the trauma is not just that, the cancer. That was like after years of 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 exploiting myself, of of um, of betraying myself. Um, and I had my son when I was 17. And that whole experience was a, a long line of fuckery as well. Like I um, I got a, an STD it was then called an STD, gonorrhea when I was 15 from this much older person who assaulted me essentially, you know, or assaulted me. Um and the doctor that I went to see, the um gynecologist hospitalized me for ten days for gonorrhea. To scare I... me. What? Yeah. So I was in the office I walked in off the street. First of all, I had no idea how all that shit worked. I was 15. I like 15. Yeah. 15. I'd skip school. It was like the second or third person I'd ever had sex with. I was like, something's going on. Um, and I'm, I'm itchy. I had crabs. <laughs> Thank God I had crabs actually, because it's what got me in there. Right. So he did an internal exam right away without you in canada you have to have a referral but same here i think yeah um anyway he just did an exam he's like you have gonorrhea and craps here's go take this soap whatever buy this soap and you know he's the he's the guy that delivers all the babies in the small town the walls were covered with every child that had been born in the you know in the city Mm. and i was like am i going to be able to have children crawling my eyes out i didn't know what the fuck this was and he said we don't know we won't know until you try dude my jaw is on the floor right now i know i know and then i went and then he fucking hospitalized me for 10 days my dad i was living with my dad at the time my mom was in the states he might not had no idea he was like and my whole fucking family, like people sending me flowers. I was like, so upset. There's this disease going around everyone. You have to, the whole, I have to tell everyone kids are just having sex. Like everyone's going to be sterile, you know? So I took it upon myself to inform the entire student body of my high school about this plague. (laughs) And like, pass out pamphlets, whatever. I had like a lineup outside my door, my hospital door. Kids were coming to see me at lunch after school. It was became like a confessional. I think I might have discharge. I don't know. Like I was like, Oh, this has got to be a movie.
0: Oh my God.
1: And it's yeah, I was in the fucking hospital. And so then I
0: was there up- like shame around this like cuz if a doctor's putting you in the hospital for no reason yeah i can imagine you felt shame like oh i didn't know it
1: was no reason i thought i had genuinely um i had genuinely um put myself in jeopardy oh my I god i thought that he was saving my ability to have children like oh
0: my god
1: that i probably was going to be infertile um, it's not funny, but it, it like the way I responded is so typically me, it's just like, oh my God, guys, this thing, we need to talk about it. And there was, I mean, people made fun of me and called me firewoman, all this stuff behind my back. Thank God there was no social media, but right. you know, everyone in the school knew, cause I told them, right. And there was also this thing where, where, um, if you had an STI, you got called down to the health nurse, the public public health knew that you had it. It would go on record. And then they would call you down to the office in school and make you tell them everyone you'd had sex with. And then they would contact those people and to tell them they'd come (sighs) in.
0: Oh my God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a very, I mean, there are so many adjectives I could use, but like awful, heavy, uh, Mm -hmm. not appropriate. Um, the doctor putting you in the hospital being not appropriate. Um, experience to like your your first sexual experiences, like that's very formulative. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. how is how has that affected you as an adult?
1: Well, I have a glowing vagina behind it, my head. Yeah, like so, I'm I'm working it out through my art. The best place it, to work next, it out, yeah, yeah. The next major thing was getting pregnant, so I didn't mm. think I could have kids because of that yeah i was like i don't know but i don't i think i'm probably like this is the conversation i have with my boyfriend i probably can't have kids because yeah what a fucking awful doctor i i just figured this out like during the pandemic maybe like just fucking figured it out that holy shit i can't believe what this person did to my body then then I, got, I get pregnant I'm four months pregnant before I figure it out because I'm still spotting I don't know my body I literally think I'm getting tits because it's time the am mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. puberty yeah I have a friend who's pregnant I start getting really itchy my nipples are itchy And she's like oh that's the sign you're pregnant you know so i go to the doctor the doctor
0: the same doctor or different doctor
1: no different one okay but this guy was a piece of work so i was sitting he did the internal he said you're 16 weeks pregnant just by just by looking just by internal like ultrasound oh No, no ultrasound feeling the size of the baby 16 weeks I know 16 fucking weeks. I literally That's had well, yeah. like, that was like a day to process. My friend said, you're probably pregnant. I was like, oh my God, it's making sense. I gag every time I smell pizza. I lived above a pizza parlor, which was horrifying. I couldn't stand the smell of pizza. Um, you're 16 weeks pregnant. So this guy says, yeah, you're about 16 weeks, um, size of a cantaloupe, come back in a month. And I'm like, okay, there must not be any options because you, I think you can't get an abortion after three months, which is not true, but I didn't know. And I was afraid to ask because I had put this power into the hands of these people. He would then sit there and tell me stories about fucking kings and queens and like just talk shit while I'm still naked from the waist down with a cut. Like it was so inappropriate. I don't know how, like, You know, there are no mistakes in God's world, for sure, because there's work I'm doing now that I feel like is important because of it. And my child, I love him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, all all of who I am is because of these. Speaking of identity, all of who I am is not because of anything. I'm trying not to identify with anything, but I can see how it's shaped. Sure. It shaped my art and my life. But these two very significant experiences where – I was taught that my body doesn't belong to me. Um, I, ha- I had this whole. Um, back, you know, backlash, like the idea as I was becoming, you know, in the 2000s, the, the late 90s, 2000s, mostly the 2000s, because that's when I was single. This whole idea of like sexual empowerment that a woman is free to fuck whoever she wants and all of that. Um, I don't know if you saw the show, um, what is it, I will, I may destroy you.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yep.
1: Yes, okay, so in the log line, she says something, it's on IMDb, she says something like the exploration of the difference between uh, sexual empowerment and exploitation, mm. and I that really resonated with me because it was like this narrative that was running through, you know, the hypersexualization of women, and this like empowerment shit that really, I mean, still here, but that is really just a cover for don't have boundaries, you know, give away the right to enter your fucking sacred space you know it's still a conversation that i'm having with myself because i like sex Mm -hmm. a lot Mm -hmm. but there's no question that uh, that there a piece of me is delivered onto my partner Mm. and that a piece of them is delivered onto me and so the, the whole like conversation I was having with my cervix, my internal organs, was about like, who the fuck is in charge here? Mm. Who's in here? What baggage is living inside of my body? And the shaman that I worked with during the cervical cancer experience said, your cervix is the place where you hold the deepest resentment toward men. Whew, that's big right it's big that's big and makes and sense think about, think about what your cervix is doing over the course of a month it's opening and closing opening and closing opening it's like protecting and opening it's like the process of falling in love the process of having a relationship the process of making art constantly oscillating between these boundaries and just complete and utter vulnerability yeah, I just got so I really needed to heal that in order to come into my own as an artist. Did you
0: start this like ex- exploration and getting to know your body when this between like, like when your um when your cancer diagnosis came about, like where after you had the your son, all of the years after that, how I don't know how the time or whatever, but like. Were you just accepting, this is my body? Like, you weren't, like, talking to your body. You weren't, you know what I mean, like, starting to explore. When when was the moment that you were like, you know what? I need to start talking to my cervix, talking to my body, figuring this out.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was when I had the, the, the artistic space. Mm. You know, definitely my first album, most of it's unreleased um but the conversations in the first album were about other people like what do you want me to be sexually this you're you're addicted to other things and i'm addicted to you and like this whole and then just the braggy rap shit about how you know cool i am whatever and like, don't fuck with me, little boy. So it's like very defensive. Mm. Um, The next album was like a, com- a comedic album that still is in that like, get the fuck back, back up. You know? and And more of a conversation with myself. So I think it was when i when I started to be able to create visual experiences. So I think it was hmm. with the cancer that I really started to have a conversation with my body about hmm. what but you know, I was always meditating. I was an athlete. I was a cheerleader, um, at like a really high level. and so I've always felt connected to my body, and I think music is the thing that turns it on. So the conversation became verbal then, but prior to that, it was, it was just a movement. It was movement com- conversation between my body and my
0: brain. If someone is looking to get more in touch with their body, their cervix, what, where would you tell them to like start? Mm,
1: breath mm so in acting class um there's one particular school that i was studying at that's that i learned yeah i started at Strasbourg, and there's it's like this school i was studying with it's a t- sort of derivative of the the relaxation exercises there and in in uh these teachings it's about um finding tension in the body and releasing it through your breath, right? So it's kind of Alexander. Sure. What I discovered was that the emotional, there's emotional barriers where the tension is. And it's the tension is coming from like, almost like, oh, here's some sadness I don't wanna deal with. Let me just stick it right here. And we have different, my mom studied this too. There's different meridians in your body where you hold different feelings. So anger, when you get a headache, it wraps around your hat band. That's an anger headache. A fear headache runs back along the top of your head. That's wild. Um, sadness lives in here. When you give someone a massage and you poke in there and they're like, oh, it's like, I can feel, oh, mm. that, like, fuck. you know, it's it sits in different parts of your body. So working that out, you can go into a yoga class with a really good teacher that's like telling you about micro adjustments to make and whew, suddenly this emotional shit gets released, but we tense up when the emotion wants to be released as opposed to surrendering to it and allowing it. Cause we think when we have an emotional experience, we have to explain what it is. Mm. We have to, I can't release that until I know what it is. Well, that just blocks it up. So think about all the trauma that happens i don't know any fucking woman with a, or any person with a vagina that doesn't have a a, 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 a some kind of like wall between the brain and the the, the vagina mm-hmm. um and we and what happens when you're not breathing all the way down into your root chakra is that you're in fight or flight fight or flight is up here. Your breath is shallow, so we spend most of our time in a fight or flight state because we don't want to have that conversation with what's going on down there. We don't want to release the emotion. We don't want to have to try and you know figure it out. But the good news is you don't have to know what the story is. Like a lot of the shit that's living in your body has been there so long it doesn't it doesn't even know where it came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and when you do that kind of relaxation work memories come as well that that happens you know like sense memory
0: yeah is that like kind of somatic experiencing stuff like I've heard of like some I don't I think it's called somatic experiencing but it's like a type of therapy um but I and I'm very interested in it because I feel like I have this is coming at the perfect this conversation is coming at the perfect time for me because like I have put in so much work in talk therapy in you know, using my brain to figure out my feelings. I have not yeah. spent enough time with my body and I feel like it's manifesting. For me, it's like I have when I get anxiety or sometimes I don't even know why I get like a skin crawling feeling like I need to jump out of my skin. And yeah. and so I was looking into somatic experiencing where you kind of like sit with a therapist, I guess, and... F- kind of talk and then where do you, are you feeling that type of thing? Um, how do you work? Do you do, um, body work like on your own or were you taught at a place?
1: Yeah, it was the school. Um, the, 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 I mean, this, there's an article that just came out about it being a cult. Um, <laughs> All right. so I'm not going to recommend it to anyone because sure. there was some damage done for sure, but the, the, um, the work is is powerful it's just so it's so deep that there needs to be additional care Mm -hmm. uh, care, if you will Mm. um but what i do is is relaxation so i actually lie on the ground now and i just move my body in ways that i've not moved it you know in in go into the tension. Like I have a lot of tension in my lower back injuries from cheerleading. That's also where fear shows up. Um, and as I'm breathing into it, I just like allow Mm. it's a surrendering process as opposed to a searching process. And there's, you know, do you know, Andrew Huberman? Mm -mm. Oh man. Really powerful podcast. Huberman labs. Um, about science, the science behind all sorts of things. Um, But the first podcast, I heard him on another person's podcast and he was talking about this work that they had done on fear. He's a a neuroscientist at Stanford. And um, what they discovered in their work on fear is that essentially like there are multiple ways to dismantle a fear or like dissolve a fear in your Let's say you have a fear of spiders. Talk therapy, you know, the idea in in self-help that it's like we have these beliefs that lead to our thoughts, that lead to our actions, and a lot of the beliefs are buried or they're unconscious beliefs, and now we need to go in and fix these unconscious beliefs. That's lifelong work. But the equation works in both directions is what they discovered. So you can take action that will change your thoughts and affect your belief system. So you can go at it from both directions, but like so many of us, we get lost in the darkness, re-perpetuating the beliefs. Like the last person you wanna talk to about your beliefs is you. (laughs) Cause like your ego is as smart as you are. Yeah. It's gonna be a circular conversation for the most part. Doesn't mean don't do the work and like it's very interesting to study yourself. Never inexhaustible, interesting. However, it doesn't get a lot of shit done. But like taking action, you know, anyway, allowing yourself, and that's kind of what this is in a way, it's like allowing yourself to feel the feelings and just express them is just as effective as figuring out why and in fact more i think yeah because you're not like oh creating a new fucking story about well my mom did this or the doctor you know put me in the hospital and now i'm mad mm. <sighs> you mm. know cool be fucking mad write a song about it move on scream move on because i i don't want to live in the past i don't i don't know when I heard when I read about this, though, I thought it was really interesting from an acting perspective, too, because you think about the different acting approaches historically, you know, historically, it was the UK and American approach. It was, you know, uh, Rada and Stanislavski kind of Stanislavski was not American, but, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the yep. Strasbourg, etc. Adler. Um, originally like Sarah Bernhard days, you know, you, you would pose, they had poses that would, um, create an emotional response in you. So you do, you know, the power pose Mm -hmm. and notice how my voice changes. That's a response to what my body's doing. Whereas the other approach is, is internalized, it's sense memory, it's um, you know, coming from the belief and allowing the action, the change in my voice, once I remember how, how strong I, I still want to do a gesture. but how strong I am, you know, then my voice changes. So it's like two different approaches to acting that can have very powerful results the end result is the same the voice changes but it's it's when you think about it in terms of self-help and just self-disciplining your your life like what kind of experience do you want to have today back to a course in miracles i the the place i'm in right now is not serving me i'm willing to see this differently oh well how about this approach let's just shift the perception you're going to get to the same end result and 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 a course in miracles says it doesn't matter what path you take You will all land in the same spot. You will all find the same thing at the end. You can either do it through joy or through pain. Mm. That's your choice, moment to moment to moment to moment. Doesn't mean don't feel sadness, doesn't mean don't feel anger. This is part of the human experience. I believe that we are, you know, spirits having a sensorial experience, right? So if you're a spirit in a body to have a sensorial experience, smelling, seeing, feeling, touching, and you're cutting off the emotional expression, your spirit hurts. Mm. It's, that's what it's here to experience. Like all of it, not to judge one or the other, or whatever, but just, you know, okay, I'm having this experience of anger and now now I'm indulging in it, now it's hurting me, now I want something else. So I'm willing to see this differently. And the more, the deeper I go into this work, the more elastic my my um, expression is as an artist because I'm not having an emotion and grabbing it and trying to see what it is and then presenting it to the camera. I'm just, boom, boom, what's next, what's next, what's next? And being on TikTok and going live on Instagram, TikTok, and etc., making music has given me this like court, like a basketball court, to practice that jump shot in hour after hour, mm. after hour after hour. I am I in alignment with creation? Am I just following my impulses one after the other after the other? within the framework of I'm doing these songs, I'm rapping, whatever, but now I want a puppet. Now I want my Jesus candle. Now I'm gonna stick my finger in my knee, like whatever, is is further opening up my instrument and further giving me the chance to um, connect with, with that spirit that's here trying to have a sensorial experience, allowing myself to have it.
0: So many questions. The first one is a what? What is it? A course in mir in miracles. Course in miracles. Yeah. Can you explain what? I don't know what
1: that is. Yeah, um, it's a book that was written, I believe, in the '60s. Okay. And it was like a man and a woman that that did it together. I believe. I'll be wrong about that, but it's cha- it's channeled like it's there's it's just it's so insane. It's like a it was a dentist or a dentist secretary something like this it's a cognitive behavioral approach to spirituality Ooh. Cognitive. yeah so cognitive behavioral is you have a thought pattern you interrupt it and create a new pathway in the brain um, because the problem with our brain is that we form these pathways and there's myelin that wraps around the, the the connections in the neurons in the brain that gets thicker and thicker the more often you have a series of thoughts yeah So in order to change a brain pathway, you have a stimulus. Like I see someone I want to have sex with. That's the direction I always go. Of course in miracles says, I see someone I have a thing with, Oh, I bump into my pain spot instead of taking that route. I'm willing to see this differently. It's Mm a, it's a, it's a re switching. It's like a new track to go on that you get to discover, you know, and create and when you don't use a pathway even though the myelin's built up over time it will disintegrate when it's Mm. not being bad. so that's why it's it's such an interesting approach so the first half of the course is about re-patterning looking at everything differently it literally starts with like this this chair this cup is not what i think it is this phone is not what i think it is it's, it's basically teaching you that you're ascribing meaning to things based on your past experience that you just accept as truth. So it's like, let's look at the world as though nothing is true. Wow. Like my today's lesson is my meaningless thoughts are showing me a meaningless world. So I use that when I get into a situation where I'm feeling sorry for myself or I'm worried about something or I'm obsessing over, you know, somebody, I have these meaningless thoughts about this thing. I have made a decision that this relation, I'm just going through a breakup, that this relationship that I had was blah, 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 blah. So, um, now I feel because of these decisions I made, I now feel blah, 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 blah. Well, I fucking told myself what the story is of this relationship. And now I get to be feel sorry for myself and be sad about it because of the setup I made me in the given circumstances as an actor, right? I'm I made up the given circumstances. So I can say I'm willing to see this differently. Well, of course, in miracles would say I forgive myself and others all of the love uh, all, all the only thing that exists in the relationship is love that's the only thing that was true and real can i focus on all of the love in the relationship
0: mm.
1: and just like live in that space it doesn't mean go back to something that isn't working like domestically yeah but i don't want to carry that shit around with me um so there's a the book called a, Ret- a return to love written by marianne williamson mm. it's on youtube the audio book it's free on youtube or you can purchase it um you know anywhere but it's it is an introduction to a course in miracles because it's a very dense book it's got a text and it's got daily lessons um it's really dense so it's nice to that's a really good introduction to it if you're interested in learning more about it also written in the 90s but
0: that my thing okay there we go Th- yes, all of that. Yes. And I'm absolutely going to look into it because like I said, a lot of my stuff has been like cognitive behavioral. Okay, this is the neural pathway that you're used to. Let's disrupt it, go a different direction. But yeah. the fact that it's connected to like spirituality stuff is so yeah. interesting. Um, And I've like, I've truly never heard of that before, which mm-hmm. like, I'm surprised about. Um, Like no one's ever brought that up on this podcast before. So I'm really excited to get into
1: it. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting? Um, I ha- So I have a group, uh, we talk about this often. I have a group um, called Pickford. i named after Mary Pickford, um, where it's artists who are multi-hyphenates and mm. we just do bi-weekly support meetings. And I created a course called the Time Trampoline, um, which is time management for multi-hyphenate artists. Um,
0: sounds like something I need. T-
1: Yeah. We'll talk about that too. We talk a lot about the cognitive behavioral approach. And the thing about A Course in Miracles that's so different from traditional cognitive behavioral therapy is you're not replacing the negative thought with a positive one that you come up with. Because remember, your ego is just as smart as you are. So if you're like, okay, this is, I recognize this pattern. I recognize this thought. I'm going to replace it with something else. Now you're chances are good your ego is going to have something to say about what Mm. you're missing so the thing about this is the surrender component i'm willing to see this differently then you receive the voice of the divine as opposed to telling it what the fuck you want there's a part in the course that says your problem is you think you're in competition with god
0: hmm hmm
1: Hell yes, I think I'm incompetent. Mm. Hell yes, I think I know what's best for me. And let me tell you, on November 1st, I said a prayer in the morning. I have all these projects I've been trying to get off the ground for years. I'm an actor in her late 40s. Everything is drying up except for commercial roles, for retirement homes, arthritis, sleep apnea. Like I got a retirement home audition that day. I am 47 years old. Why not give that role to someone in their 60s or 70s? Thank you very much. A. Two, can you get over the color of my hair? Like, don't mm-hmm. get to So, I oh, was yeah. Just-
0: Hollywood is so wild. Like, I've seen, I've gone to, for auditions where the grandma role is, like, people in their late 30s. It's so fucking, and I'm not exaggerating at all. And it's I bu- I bu- so wild. Yeah. So wild. And, and very destructive for our humanity really um but I could go on and on about that um back
1: to what you were saying yeah so I was just like I don't I was feeling exploited and degraded and you know it was getting it was getting to me and reading the breakdowns and I just so I said God show me a clear path and every other time in my life, I said that prayer many times, ish. But it's always like, I'm one. I'm, this is manifesting. I got to be clear about what I want, which is the same thinking that's like, this isn't serving me. Let me give you another. Let me give myself a new option. Yeah. I love money. Money loves me. I'm okay. Mantras work. They do, except when you don't fucking believe them. Mm. You know, it's like. surrendering my beliefs are what opens me up to new beliefs not not telling myself a new one it just adds another layer of shit into the conversation so it's like a discovery as opposed to a plan you know like I, it feels different i don't know so i said that a clear path and i remember thinking to what and then i was like I don't know. You know me. Right? Better than I know myself because I've been strateg- strategizing. Like, I'm really good at it. I do it for people for a fucking long time. And if I knew how to make this career sustainable, I would have done it. Yeah. So, of oh, series of things, coincidences happened that day. And I ended up having a meeting with TikTok um, where they, you know, this agency had reached out to me and they said, TikTok is gonna help boost your lives. We really think that you will do well on live. Can you just try it? And I was very, very resistant because I didn't want to be exploited anymore. But I was like, fuck it. I heard the voice of God. (laughs) I I was doing the laundry that afternoon. It was like, you want a clear path? right in front of you TikTok's going to boost your lives instagram just sent you a message saying they were going to give you bonuses for your reels you're literally being offered things that people on social media would die for right now that are trying to build their presence what have you got to lose right so i went on that night at two in the morning i stomped around all day in resistance like i don't want to do this two in the morning i was like there won't be anyone on here um And then I like talked about nose chlamydia for 20 minutes, just being like, guys, I want to rap, but like, I saw this article about nose chlamydia and maybe it leads to Alzheimer's. Let's talk about that. They're like, what? Rap, rap. Yeah. (laughs) So I did. And after I got off, it said 20,000 people watched your live. And I was like, what the fuck? I only had 200 followers. (laughs) You only had 200 followers when TikTok reached out to you? Yeah, it's because this agency, I had auditioned for them um, a year and a half prior for another platform in Japan. I don't remember the name of it. And then they were like, you're not PC enough for that platform. Try Bego. So I went on Bigo like twice. I was like, this is horrifying. I hate this. I'm not doing it. But in the process, when I auditioned for them, I created this whole show about rapping and like doing some of my own material and freestyles and and the agency then started working with TikTok and they remembered me mm-hmm. and they were like, You have to do this. And they I said no for like six months. Wow. And then finally they said we have a meeting with TikTok. Will you come? And I was like, Okay, fine. And it was that day. So thank God for them because they believed in me, you know? And, um, and so they had requirements, like you have to go live this many times during the month for this many hours. So I was like, okay, I made $11 during that first live. And I was like, well, that's $11 more than I made today. And definitely not paid for auditions and like, I'm having fun. So why not? And so I started doing it you know, the t- the days that they said, and I was trying all these things like doing song monologues and inviting people in and whatever. And what I realized very quickly was like, when you rap, people lose their minds. You have to just rap, like just mm, go
0: hard. Mm.
1: And so I did for the first month, I did, you know, filled out the requirements. I was like, I'm going to give this three months. And then after a month, somebody screen recorded one of my, a moment from my show. And there was 8,000 people in the room watching in that I was just like, Oh my God, I can't. That believe is
0: them. so crazy.
1: It's insane.
0: Cause like, it's like, honestly, it's like a live like band or musician or whatever. Like venues are a lot of venues are way less than 8,000. Like yeah. a lot so of venues in LA yeah. like 2,000 cap, 4,000, you know?
1: Yeah. That's during that little time when I was doing the song I was doing, I'm not right now. Cause I kind of slipped out of the algorithm. I got burnt out, but like, I was doing fifty thousand people an hour, so I would have one hundred and fifty thousand people passing through in an hour and a half. Like that's stadiums, multiple stadiums full of people. Yeah, yeah, making money. Um, so I went viral after the first thirty days, and then I went again after the second thirty days. Chris Brown shared, um one of my freestyles on Instagram. And then I got like, I think 8,000 followers. It was just in his story. So I got like 8,000 followers, I think in a day. No, 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 I started at eight. I don't know. I think I went from eight to 20 when he did that. And then another video of mine a month after that, it's all, it's every month. Month after that, I did a big big pop, a a B.I.G. freestyle. I love it when you call me Big Mama. That's almost at ten million views. Wow. And and I hit like a hundred thousand followers and then now I have another one that I released last week that's not as viral as the Big Mama one, but I've gotten another I think twenty fifteen thousand followers or something from it. So with
0: like that much visibility on you. Mm-hmm. W- Obviously there's so much positive things that come out of it. Have you experienced any of the negative stuff that
1: comes with social media sometimes? It's constant. Is it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, people aren't aren't happy. Like it's I don't know, I wouldn't say the majority of people aren't happy, but the ones who aren't are very loud about it. Oh. Um so when you're when you're live, there's two different experiences, right? There's like live and then there's the posts. Sure. So when you're live, the comments are scrolling along the bottom and on TikTok, it's just like bananas because yeah. there's so many people filing through you have moderators who can kick them out or ban them or mute them or what have you. So I have a team of moderators that do that work. Um, and but it's like you catch stuff. And if I'm in a good place, I'm okay, but the first time I went viral because it was grabbed by a meme account and put on Twitter and then move, you know, all over the place. Um, there was no human being there, so people were really vicious. Um, so there's Twitter, a lot. Twitter's of, also like awful. It's awful. Yeah. It's so so, and I didn't know. I didn't have like things in place to protect myself. Yeah, what I what I've learned is that when something, there's a couple things. So, firstly, in terms of in terms of other people, when somebody lashes out at you, like in the Course of Miracles, it says everything is either love or a call for love. So, when someone is lashing out at me, they want to be seen and they want love and they're hurting. And there's a lot of racial conversation around what I'm doing, appropriation in hip-hop, me being white. Um, so I, I, that was the most painful thing, honestly, because I've done a lot of work on the aging stuff um, and the misogyny. The racial stuff is a reason why I didn't rap for so long. I stopped rapping because I, 2016 till now was a very inflamed period for for black americans and i didn't want to contribute to that inflammation and so i didn't make music but it was hurting it was hurting me to not make music and that the health experience i had in june was um this crazy cyst that blew up in my neck had this surgery like it's that's the scar oh wow (laughs) yeah it's about my throat chakra, about not expressing my truth wow. through my art. So that led to this. This like my body was like, if you're not gonna fucking use your throat, we're literally gonna close it. So, so with the racial, the racial inflammation, um, a really beautiful woman named Michelle Hollinger reached out to me, and she has um, this pamphlet called Authentic Allyship that she's created that's in my link in my bio and what she said to me is you are an authentic ally you're not doing this to try to present a certain thing you're not being performative in your allyship this is like you can see it in you that it's love coming from your heart and it's very powerful and what i what I recognize is that there's a conversation that needs to happen about all of this. That's happening. That I am a catalyst for, but that isn't about me.
0: Mm.
1: And that I have to, if there's, if if I'm being upset or feeling offended about a comment somebody's making, it's because there's something unhealed in me that I need to look at. Am I racist? What is my relationship with my privilege? How am I giving back to the culture? And also realizing, you know, with the everything is love or a call for love, like when you have had stones thrown at you your entire life, everything you see is gonna look like a stone. So somebody flips through TikTok and they see me with a fucking puppet doing like a very deep, meaningful jay-z track about what it's like growing up in an environment where everyone's getting murdered and i have a puppet like it looks immediately like a stone i get that and so the moderators i've asked them to be gentle with people when they come in let them lash out lovingly hold space for Mm. someone that's hurting allow that allow them to have that space So we've seen a lot of people convert, come in and be like, like somebody messaged me today, this beautiful woman. She calls herself St. Bart, St. Bart. Um, Who was like, she's an artist. And she was like, I did not want to like your videos, but I just did a deep dive and I am just so inspired by your freedom And I want to collab, you know, and there's other, other people too. Or like, I was, I'm a convert. Like I just, you know, wasn't, you know, and I don't, I don't to each their own. Not everyone's gonna, you know, um, which is hard for a people pleaser. But, and, and look, if I'm fucking the week before my period, I, I usually, I usually start to cry because the comments are so abusive but it's not about me like it's a call for love and and that's again it's like this isn't serving me to make this all about me i'm willing to see this differently and then when i take the when i take the camera off myself you know what i learned very quickly in the lives is that people aren't commenting some of them are to show, you know, to just purely say a thing to me. Some of them are for sure. But a lot of them are like, please, please see me, please see me. They want to be shouted out, they want to be seen, they want to be acknowledged. Like everyone is so hurting because they don't feel seen. So my job is to first and foremost, experience whatever the divine is sharing with me, that moment of creative inspiration, the impulse, I have to experience it first. People, I had this director once say to me, "I, the audience doesn't care what you discover, we just wanna see you discover something. Cause that's ma- that's the magic. Not when I plan to show you a certain part of my, that, no one cares we want to be in on it together, the human experience, right? The connection. So that includes, you know, experiencing, sharing, experience, express, 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 and, and then receive. Cause, cause there's a, a, there's another series of books I love, which is conversations with God um, written by Neil Donald, Donald Walsh. Also in the nineties. And he talks to god like he asks god all these questions it sounds insane but it's fucking amazing there's moments when you can tell it's like him and his agenda and moments when it just feels sure. purely channeled but there's this line that says know this i have sent you only angels meaning every single person that you come in contact with is speaking from me i have sent you only angels. you know so receiving this way and receiving this way. Mm. Now, when I put an emphasis on wanting to control what I'm receiving or wanting to like have a certain experience, like, oh, let me go just get a little bit of dopamine off these comments. It doesn't work. Because mm. there's some nice ones that don't feel the hits not as big anymore, as when I get the negative ones. in me. Oh, oh, I get to feel that. i'm the victim of the world and social media you know the drama of it all that's needs to be pushed into my art because it's destructive and and Mm -hmm. i definitely get caught up in it for sure but i'm learning tools to not um let it affect me
0: yeah Mm -hmm. um i could talk to you for another hour we've been talking for an hour Mm. um crazy i want to ask one last question um If someone is experiencing a low point right now, a low season, what would you tell them that you think would be beneficial for them to hear?
1: This too shall pass. I think it's easy to forget that. Especially artists, you know, we're, we're so absolute. Mm. And everything is this big moment, you know. And that was the moment when I became depressed. And the rest of my life, you know, because that's how we tell stories in a 90 minute time frame. Sure. You're not in a 90 minute time frame. This is a body of work, it's a life. It deserves respect. Even the low moments deserve respect. And in the time trampoline course, in the work I do in Pickford, we talk a lot about creating a temple around your creative time, play time, that doesn't have to result in something that is quantifiable or will make the algorithm happy or create money, whatever, just play time. Um, Because when the artist does not have safe space, Safe meaning a time when I'm just playing and my producer hat's not on, my money hat's not on, my mother's voice is not interfering. Safe space, a large chunk of time, three hours generally. We Instead, if we don't get our creative time, we create drama.
0: <laughs> oh my God, yes. Never have I related
1: to something more than that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So So the play is the only thing that matters. You have to let it out. Let that three year old feel safe, like what I was saying about creating a safe space for the toddler to throw a tantrum. Throw a tantrum. If you're in pain, throw a tantrum and don't, you don't need to explain it to anyone. Just do it in a safe space by yourself. Scream into your pillow, kick your feet, let it go. Then go fucking color. Yeah. And yeah. then you create this relationship with yourself with your inner artist that says it's safe for you to make mistakes it's safe for us to build a body of work that doesn't necessarily make sense all the time yeah and i'm the one in charge of making sure you're safe not somebody else Mm. and then once you have that relationship with yourself when the drama comes up on monday mornings You can say, no, no, no. Wednesday night is the time when we have our drama. Just hang on to that thought. We'll put it into our plate. Mm, mm, Yeah. And you start to settle settle down. Money lives over here at 12 o'clock on Fridays. So you don't get to worry about it the rest of the week. Mm. Money time comes, you have to show up to it, you know it saved me. And so many people that have taken the the time traveling course, that saved too. Um, so I have the community Pickford where we talk about we meet weekly, we have support and it has all these extra materials, examples, written um, things for you to work with. And that's like a monthly uh, program that you can it takes about six weeks to do it, that people can come in and join. That's at pickfordcommunity.com. And then the other Way you can do it is on TikTok. TikTok has series now, so on my TikTok profile, there's a series button mm. and you can take the time trampoline there. It's like 14 bucks or something. Okay, the, if you take the course with me, it's $50 a month, so it's more expensive, but you get all the additional support. Yeah, if you want to watch the videos, they're on TikTok for just $15 and you have access forever.
0: Wow, that's such an incredible resource for everybody especially artists but also everybody um, everybody everybody. thank you again for your time is there
1: anything that you're working on right now that you want to talk about yeah
0: hit yes. me with it hit me with okay. it
1: so um this weekend um saturday i am in san diego at house of blues um with this event called sing dance crawl and it's raising money for the families of veterans who have had a catastrophic uh event um And then I'm going to Philadelphia May the 30th. I'm doing a show in Philly um, at this place called Kung Fu Necktie. And my DJ is Keith Shockley, who um, was the producer for um, Public Enemy, who's one of my favorite all time hip hop bands from the 80s, 90s. Um, He's opening for me. so excited about that and so if you're in philly obviously please come out i think it's very important um to the industry fuck them but uh, important you know to prove that i have a life outside of tiktok and instagram Mm. that a woman who is older can have a hip-hop career is like goes against all of the things that are have been in the way you know never mind a woman who is older having any sort of new career life like you're sort of told if you haven't figured it out by your late 40s you're not going to get it so you know i want to prove them wrong i want to i want to bust that shit down because i have another 30 or 40 years to live i am not going quietly so if you're in philly come to the show so I can prove that I can sell tickets somewhere. <laughs>
0: I mean, congratulations on everything that you've been working on, not only professionally, but personally, like you've clearly been doing the work for a long time and now you're offering a resource to help other people do the work too. Yeah. And that's an incredible thing. So thank you for your service in that way. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I, if, just enjoyed talking with you so much and we didn't even get to talk about the hair uh but maybe we'll do a part two and we will because that seems like something that's interesting too so thank you for your time I really appreciate you thank you Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest rapper, actor, writer, Mandy May Cheatham, a.k.a. Mandy Mayhem. She has a handful of live shows coming up. You can find the links to those shows and her socials in the episode description. Thanks again for listening. New episodes every Thursday.